Good morning. Can you hear me? I'm just really excited that my dress has pockets. I can put this in. Um, so um, our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 36. Which says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, own, in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Um, so as Elliot said this morning, um, as, we're coming up to Rich, uh, as we're coming up to Christmas um, here at Richmond, we're looking at the stories that we hear um, in the Bible around the birth of Jesus. And last week, Mick took us through the story of um, the announcement of Jesus through the eyes of Joseph. Um, we heard last week that uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, and Joseph were engaged to be married when Joseph found out that she was pregnant, seemingly to someone else. Um, and we learned that Joseph was a man of good character. So rather than breaking up with her publicly and causing a scandal, possibly to the endangerment of her life, according to the law of that time, he planned to do it privately. And at this point, um, we heard that an angel came to Joseph, telling him that Mary's baby was in fact Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who would save the people from their sins. Um, but today we're going to look at this story um, through Mary's perspective. Um, the reading this morning tells us that Mary was visited by an angel. We read that the angel started out with a bit of reassurance. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. It's always helpful to start out with that so that um, to remove any uncertainty as to the angel's intentions. But Mary was still frightened, as you would be if there was an angel standing in front of you. We read that she was greatly troubled. So Gabriel, we read, continues with his reassurance. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary obviously has questions. It's important to ask questions when you're trying to figure things out. The angel gives her an answer and then gives her another example. Tells her about Elizabeth, her relative, who's having the same sort of thing happen. And additional proof is always helpful when you're trying to understand something. And after this, Mary ultimately responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary is being faced with a terrifying task. 
even when pregnancy is planned and expected and longed for, it can be a little overwhelming. But Mary has the added fear of the threat of public ridicule and ostracization and even death. Um, and at this stage, we can assume that Mary didn't know that Joseph was still going to agree to marry her. So she was facing all of these things with the uh, possibility that she might be doing it alone. Not only being pregnant alone, but also committing to raising a child alone. Um, but she still said yes. She still said, I'm the Lord's servant. Let's, let's go for it. And I sometimes wonder why out of everybody, out of everybody, Mary was chosen for this enormous task to carry and protect and nurture the King of Kings. I wonder if maybe part of it was her seemingly calm assurance, even in the midst of all this uncertainty and fear. A confident faith in her God and his promises. She accepted it, even with the awareness of many of the implications and probably with the awareness that there were many implications that she had no idea about. So Mary's pregnant, Joseph stays with her, and they start to travel to Bethlehem. There was a census at that time, so Joseph had to go back there to register. That's where his family was from. Travelling that far, being pregnant, is pretty frightening. When someone's pregnant, you know an approximate due date, but that doesn't really mean too much because babies don't go by dates. They're unpredictable. For Mary, leaving home, possibly leaving family behind, journeying to a strange place with nothing secure, nowhere safe and certain at the end of it, um, especially giving birth to your first baby would be frightening for sure. Some of you know the story of how my second son was born in a car by the side of the road in Goodwood because we didn't make it to the hospital in time. Even with Andrew speeding all the way down Goodwood Road and crossing a tram line where the boom gates were still down. We were really close. We were only a few minutes and two streets away. But he couldn't wait. It's a funny story that we joke about now every time we drive down that street. Um, and we tell him that this is where you were born. And he kind of rolls his eyes at us because he's sick of hearing it. But at the time, it was pretty overwhelming. The sense of panic and the loss of control and the disbelief, because nobody has babies in the car. Everybody thinks that they'll get to the hospital on time and it'll be fine. But, um, and the sense of how could we keep our babies safe. Um, in the midst of all of that, we are so grateful to God that everything went right. He came out and he cried. We knew that he was okay. And we had mobile phones and we had doctors and midwives on standby, and the hospital was two streets away. He was born, and we drove straight to the hospital, and there was a team of nurses and an obstetrician, and medical supplies and cups of tea, um, which they made us drink so that we didn't go into shock, apparently. Um, and I thought about this again this week as I was preparing this message, because as overwhelmed as Andrew and I were at that time, I can imagine how much worse it would have been for Mary and Joseph going on that journey. They arrived in Bethlehem and Jesus was born. And we read that as there are travellers there, there was no guest room for them to stay in. And so Jesus was wrapped in cloth and laid in a manger, which was the place where animals eat from. A young family with a newborn baby away from home. We read about shepherds that are told by angels of Jesus' birth and came to see the tiny newborn king. And we hear about wise men coming from the east 
They saw a star that announced his birth and came to worship him. This part of the story isn't often talked about when we talk about the Christmas story, um, but the wise men inadvertently play a role in the most terrifying and devastating part of this story. They arrive in Jerusalem looking for Jesus and ask King Herod where they can find the one that has been born to be king of the Jews. And Herod, in a cruel attempt to remove any, as he thought, potential threat to his throne, ordered the death of every little boy aged two years and under. But Joseph was warned in a dream to take Jesus and Mary to Egypt. And so the little family ran for their lives. All of these stories, the wise men and the shepherds, we might have heard many times. You don't have to be even in a church to hear stories about a manger and shepherds and wise men at Christmas. You can see images in your shopping centre as you walk down the street or at school. But as I've been preparing for this message today, I've really been struck by the intense circumstances that face this little family. They face so much danger, so many risks, so much that could have gone wrong. And even though God was obviously watching over them and sending angels to deliver messages at crucial times, I'm sure they still would have been afraid and uncertain. Having babies can be scary. Having to nurture and provide for and protect babies is scary. They are completely helpless. From the moment a baby is conceived, as it grows inside its mother, all its nutrients come from the mother. Everything that helps the baby grow and develop comes from the mother's body. The mother gives birth to it, and then she may go on to breastfeed. And if that's the case, every source of nutrition and growth is still coming solely from that one person. That one person is completely keeping the other alive. It's miraculous and beautiful and overwhelming in the responsibility of it all. What kind of God, what kind of creator would put himself in such a vulnerable position to be completely and utterly dependent on one person? The king of kings being held and rocked to sleep and having tiny little kisses placed all over his face and fed by a teenage mum who had no idea what she was doing. Most mums don't really know what they're doing. This is how I feel anyway. I'm sure there's some expert mums out there, but I just feel like I'm making it up as I go along. But this mum in particular seemed to have everything stacked against her. And yet the creator of the universe made himself completely vulnerable to others. Christmas is the time that we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, where God came to earth to live as one of us. When the angel told Jesus' parents of his coming, he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Nothing to me highlights the humanity of Jesus and Jesus being with us so well as the image of that small and frightened refugee family running for their lives. A young first-time mum, her husband trying to hold it all together so they could flee to safety. Later on, Jesus urges us to remember the poor and the stranger and the outcast. And this isn't just nice theoretical ideas. This is Jesus saying, this is me. Remember these people, you remember me. Jesus was all of those things, and this was the life that the King of Kings led. One of my favourite Christmas carols is Mary, Did You Know? And as with all carols, there might be a little bit of element of cheesiness to this song, probably from the times that we've heard it done badly. But there's lines in that song that really grip me. It says things like, 
When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. And that sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. What kind of God allows us to come so close as to be able to kiss his face? To be a sleeping child that needs to be held. These lines grip me because they tell us of the greatness of our King Jesus in the vulnerability of a tiny baby. The fact that Jesus became human matters. Later in the New Testament in Hebrews 4, we read that Jesus was tempted as we were in every way, yet was without sin. The writer of Hebrews was saying to us that Jesus knows what we're going through because he's been through it. And one thing that stuck out to me as I prepared for this week was that Jesus wasn't going through the, the chaos and the vulnerability and isolation, but he was going through it with, it with his family. Jesus was vulnerable because he was born into a vulnerable family. None of this was token so that he could say, oh, I've been through that too. This was his life. This was the life that he came into. So there was all this chaos. There was an uncertain start to a new relationship. There was a young pregnant virgin mother. It was her husband who was choosing to be obedient to God, which was flying in the face of all the tradition and culture and the ways that he'd been brought up. There was an uncomfortable journey with no security at the other end. There was childbirth, enough said, plus childbirth away from home and familiarity and possibly away from family. And then fleeing for your life while a jealous and vindictive king brings violence and destruction and grief all around you. But there was hope. Mary had heard from the angel that the child that she bore would be called the son of the Most High. She had most likely grown up hearing stories of this hope, of the promised Messiah, the king that would come and deliver her people, God's long-awaited Messiah that her people had waited for. And she knew before anybody else that the king had arrived. In the midst of all the chaos, she knew that hope was there. He was tiny and she held him in her arms, but he was there. God was with them through all of this in small but constant and important ways. An angel spoke to Joseph to tell him to marry Mary. An angel warned Joseph to get Jesus and Mary to safety. The visits from shepherds and wise men and angels would have confirmed it all. The hope was just a tiny glimmer, but it was there. Another one of my favourite carols, A Holy Night, has a beautiful line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. The weary young mum, exhausted by a long journey, by childbirth, by the lack of sleep, probably, that comes with babies, by a fearful journey. That weary young mum held the tiny glimmer of hope in the midst of chaos. But that glimmer of hope is enough for the weary world to rejoice. I love the image that we read about in John. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even in darkness, the light is still there. Even in darkness, the smallest light breaks through the darkness. I don't know about you, but this, the line of that song, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, describes pretty well how I feel at this time of year. I feel weary, not only with work and presence and cleaning and obligations, but this time of year, 
Our materialism reminds me that we're not doing a good enough job of looking after our environment. It reminds me that we worship a refugee king, but we still show no kindness to refugees who seek safety with us. And all the intensity in relationships because of all the pressure and expectations that come with this time of year is exhausting. The glimmer of hope can seem so small, as small as a baby. But the king is here. The king arrived to live among us to show us what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is described as being now but not yet. My all-time favourite book is The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And this describes the return of Aslan, the king, after a long winter. Three of the children in the story hear of Aslan's return and go on a journey to meet him. The land of Narnia has been ruled by evil and the evil covers the land with an eternal winter with ice and snow and fear. But as the children journey to meet Aslan, signs of spring start to come. The king is breaking through the darkness. The snow begins to melt. Trees and flowers break through. Animals come out of hiding. They haven't seen the king yet, but they can see signs of him all around them. Even though the kingdom hasn't fully arrived yet, there are glimpses of it everywhere, glimpses that get stronger and stronger and stronger the more they go. What does it look like to see the kingdom now, but not yet? To see a tiny glimmer of hope as the king is here, but it feels like the world is still falling apart around you. What does it mean to be utterly exhausted but still see hope in front of you? As I was preparing for this message, one verse from the passage really stood out to me. The angel says to Mary, for no word from God will ever fail. It's a reminder to us that God keeps his promises, that he is here even in the midst of chaos. I imagine the little family running while Mary, with Mary holding Jesus, looking down at him not looking at the chaos around her, but looking down at the baby that she held, at the hope that she holds in her arms, focusing on the king instead of the chaos. Even in the midst of everything going on around us, we can keep our focus on Jesus. He's been through it. He's walking, walking it with us. The kingdom is here, even when we can only see small glimpses of hope. Small glimpses of the now but not yet kingdom. The kingdom where everything will be set back to right, where relationships will be restored. The kingdom brought by the king. This Christmas we celebrate the coming of the king. The king is born. The long-awaited Messiah has come. He came in the midst of chaos and darkness. He was vulnerable in so many ways, but that vulnerability shows us that he walks with us through all of life, even the hard parts. The king is our hope. He is our hope when things are amazing and we've finished work and school and study for the year and we're excited for holidays and summer and to spend time with family. But he's also our hope when things are hard. And this season just reminds us of what's missing when there's still broken relationships with others or people that we miss 
or things that aren't the way that we want them. Whatever your feelings leading to Christmas, the Christmas story shows us the character of the king that we serve, a king who made himself vulnerable to be with us. It's also a reminder of the way that we should see others. Jesus was a stranger and a refugee, and he encourages us. He tells us we need to treat others as though we're treating him. How should we see others in that situation? So whatever you're feeling this morning, um, Jesus didn't experience his vulnerability in isolation. He experienced it as part of his family. I'd love to encourage you, firstly, to keep your eyes on Jesus as our hope. And secondly, to see us as part of your family. Let us pray with you. Um, Yeah, um, we'd love, if there's something that um, you're struggling with this morning, we'd love to pray with you. Um, yeah, let's just, let's pray now. King Jesus, we are so grateful that, um, that you came. We're grateful that you could have come in an easy way, Lord, that you could have come in a way that you didn't have to go through all this vulnerability, Lord. But you... You came to be with us. You came to, to walk with us. You came to experience everything that we experience, Father. And Lord, thank you that, that you are here. Thank you, Lord, that you promise that if we seek you, we will find you, Father. Thank you for walking with us, Father. Lord, we pray that um, as we celebrate Christmas, as we remember your birth, Lord, that we will remember, um, remember the way that you came, Father. Help us to help us to remember others. Help us to remember others that are experiencing what you experienced, Father. Father, give us give us hope this Christmas, Lord. When things are hard, when things are difficult, help us to focus on you, Lord. Help us to focus on the hope that you bring even when it seems small.